our conversation around. If you're taking notes, grab your program, something to write with, and then jot down this big idea, which is prayer changes outcomes. Prayer changes outcomes. Now, if you have a Bible, turn in it to Acts chapter 12. Acts is the fifth book of the second half of our Bible, Acts chapter 12, where we have a story. And, and if you know anything about the book of Acts, just to review, this is where the beginning of the early church kind of gets uh, some traction. Jesus has risen from the grave. He's given his kingdom assignment to his followers, the early Christians, to say, you know, go into all the world and, and share the good news and the message about my love, baptize people in the name of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Jesus now has ascended to heaven. He, he promises us that he's preparing a place for us and that when he's ready, he's going to come back and, and take us to be home. But in the meantime, we've got some work to do. And so here in Acts chapter uh, 12, what we find is the church is just beginning to gain some momentum, but as often is the case in anything in life, they hit a few bumps in the road. So Acts chapter 12, I'm going to read through verse 19. So whether you have it in written or digital form, or you can follow up on the screen behind me, this is the story. Try to picture it in your mind. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So four squads of four soldiers would be what? How many soldiers? Any idea? 16. Okay, so we have 16 guys watching over Peter. Peter is obviously a high-risk dignitary that he considers that he's worth that maybe he wants to make sure that nobody comes and, and you know, does this coup and, and takes him out. So he puts four squads of four shoulders watching over him. And then it says, Herod intends to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. So we know the Passover is, was the time of when Jesus, it's probably, it's probably been one year since Jesus died on the cross, and the church is just now about one year old. So that's what we know. Verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church, the church is not what? It's not a building. The church is what? It's people. Okay, so the church, the people, prayed very earnestly for him. Verse 6. That night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate, and suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off of his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to a senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent an angel, his angel, and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for, what's it say? For prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. 
When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back himself and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. Now, can you put yourself in Peter's, you know, and you're like, hello, <laughs> please let me in. He's probably looking over his shoulder, you know, expecting the guards to come and get him. And he's knocking and he's knocking and he's knocking. Verse 15. So he says, she says, Peter's standing at the door. Verse 15, so you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Now, this is interesting because it tells us that the early church, and we can, we can see here that angels were a big deal. God uses angels. I don't know if you believe in angels or not, but it's clear that in, in, in the early days of Scripture and throughout Scripture that God will dispatch his angels to assist us on king, various kingdom assignments, and we have that here. So they think, well, it must be his angel, whatever that means. Meanwhile, verse 15, Peter continues knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Now, let that sink in. When they finally saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down. And he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him, and when he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. All right, let's, let's ask God for some help, pray about it, we'll say a quick prayer, and then we're going to unpack this and apply it to our lives. So join me for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, today as we have read this amazing story about Peter, one of the early church leaders, and your deliverance in his life to free him from his chains while in prison as a result of people's prayers I pray that God that you would motivate us today that you would inspire us today and that you would impress upon our hearts today the conviction that prayer changes outcomes Lord I don't know what obstacles lie before many here today I don't know what kind of friends that they have and the concerns that they may have for those friends. But I pray, that again, that as we unpack this story and the implications of it for our lives, that we would, again, embrace the truth that prayer changes outcomes and that, Lord, you would just inspire us to pray for those today who might be hurting. Pray for those today who might be facing some challenge in their life so bring to mind, Lord, I pray, even through this conversation, those people who you are calling us to pray for, to pray for one. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, write this down, point number one in your notes. God's activity isn't always recognizable. God's activity isn't always recognizable. When God moves, it's not always obvious that he's listening. When God asks, sometimes it's hard for us to discern when he is moving. It's his, God's activity is not always well-defined. It's not always clear. God's activity isn't always recognizable. You know, church, how can a person tell... How can you or I tell if God is answering your prayer? We talk about this. One of the ways that you and I can tell if God is answering our prayer is when we pray, how do we pray? We are specific. 
When you pray a specific prayer and God answers that prayer in a specific way, you can know that God is moving. You know, I've shared this with, with you many times how early in my, my kind of my praying days, I remember praying very specifically that God would give me a specific dollar amount, an hourly wage for a job that I, I wanted. I didn't even have the job. But the first thing I began to pray for was an hourly wage. And then I also recognized that I, I, I couldn't really start on, the, on a Monday or a Friday, but I needed to start either on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And so I began to pray that God a very specific hourly wage at, with, and that I would get a job offer on either Wednesday or Thursday that started on a Wednesday and Thursday. And one week later, when the telephone rang from somebody I didn't even apply for to say, hey, are you looking for a job? We have a job. It pays this dollar amount, but it starts on Wednesday. Can you do it? What did I know? I knew that God had answered my prayer. Specific prayers result in specific results. Prayer changes outcomes. God's activity was recognizable. Years ago, you know the story, many of you. There was a couple who was a part of our church family. And for years, they had tried to get pregnant. For years, they had tried to have children, but they were, they were infertile. Or for whatever reason, God chose to not let them get pregnant. And so they came to me and they said, Mike, we, we really want to have kids. Would you pray over us? And so I called Kirk, who's on our elder board at that time, and another friend. And I said, guys, I feel like this is a big league's prayer. Um, I think we should pray and fast. And for three days, we went without food. And instead of eating during those mealtimes, we would pray and ask God that he would do something miraculous in the life of this, this couple, that specifically that they would get pregnant. Three days later, we, we went over to their house. It was in the evening, and it's still very clear in my mind because the night before, I had had a dream. And in my dream, not only did God show me that the birth of this, that this woman had, was, got pregnant and she, had, she gave birth to this child, but also told me that it was going to be a boy. It was a baby boy. And so when we, went, when we went in to pray over this young couple, I had this unbelievable confidence like I'd never had before in my life to pray for this, this, this couple and not only to thank God in advance for the fact that he, they were going to have a child, but they were going to have a baby boy. And so it didn't really surprise me, full disclosure, that a month later when they got the, I got the phone call that said, hey, Mike, guess what? We're pregnant but the real test was going to come in nine months, right? Nine months later, they're in the hospital. They give birth. And what do they give birth to? A baby boy. Now, it could have been a girl. But in this case, it was a baby boy. But because we had prayed a specific prayer, how did I know that God was answering? Because God answered a specific prayer. Prayer changes outcomes. We could see God moving. Now, this Bible story... This Bible story, God's activity, isn't always recognizable. God's activity isn't always well-defined because here in this Bible story, we read how the Apostle Peter, one of the early saints, one of the spiritual giants of the early church, he's in this prison cell and he's been arrested for preaching the good news of Jesus' love to both Jews and Gentiles. And when God sends his angel to deliver 
and rescue Peter from his prison cell as a result of the early church praying for him and for his release, Peter did not recognize. Peter did not recognize that he was actually being delivered, does he? Rather, verse 9 tells us that Peter thinks he's what? He thinks he's dreaming. He thinks he's having just a, a simple dream, and many of you have dreams at night. Reinforcing the truth, I think, that God's activity is not always what? Recognizable. Now, do you recount the story of Peter's life? Remember the story of Peter? This was not the first time that Peter had had a vision or a dream. Remember when Peter had, what Peter's former dream was? If you go back just two chapters to Acts chapter 10, you can read the story and you can look at it, check at it, make sure I'm telling you the truth here. You can read the story was where Peter was up on his rooftop one day waiting for lunch to be prepared for him. He had apparently somebody cooking lunch. And while he was up on the rooftop praying, the Bible says that he had a vision. And in his vision, as he's praying, what does he see? Do you remember? He sees this sheet that's being lowered from heaven. And on this sheet are these animals and these reptiles and these birds. All these things that the the Jewish people were forbidden to, to have any kind of contact with, let alone eat. And in this vision, Peter hears God's voice saying to him, Peter, I want you to get up and I want you to eat these animals. What was Peter's response? Remember? He says, no way, Lord. If you look at Acts chapter 10, verse 15, he says, or just before that, he says, No way, Lord, I have never in all my life eaten anything forbidden by our Jewish laws. But then God speaks to him again in this dream. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 15, God says, Peter, if I say something is acceptable, then don't say it isn't. And this repeat, this happens three different times. And then the sheet is lifted back up into heaven. So Peter wakes up, the Bible says, kind of a, from his prayer, the, kind of this vision. And at, while he's pondering the message of this, this, this dream or this vision that he's just had, all of a sudden what happens? You remember who's knocking on his front door? The Bible says that there's three guys, three Gentile guys. Now, Jews and Gentiles, don't, don't, they, don't, they don't get together. But the Bible says there's this three unclean Gentile guys knocking on Peter's door and they're saying, hey, Peter, will you go with us? Will you take a little road trip with us? And because of this dream, because of this vision that God says, don't say anything that is clean, is unclean, Peter gets up. He, he, he immediately draws an analogy between these unclean Gentiles and these unclean animals and he realizes God wants him to go. So he goes with them. He goes to the house of Cornelius, who is this Roman officer. Romanus, Cornelius is a man of faith. He, he's heard about this Jesus guy. He, so he gathers all his family and all his friends, and they're in this house. And God, in this, in this vision again that he had given to Cornelius, he says, go and send for Peter. So that's why these three guys go to Peter's house. They knock on his door. Peter now goes to Cornelius' house. He says, why do you guys want me here? And they said, we want to know about this Jesus Peter begins to preach to them about Jesus. You remember the story. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon this group of unclean Gentiles in the same way that it had come upon them as, as Jewish believers. And Peter realized then that God's love was for you and for me, Gentiles as well as Jews. What's my point? My point is sometimes God's activity is recognizable. In that case, it was recognizable. But in many cases, as Peter is sitting here in this, in this prison cell, his activity isn't always clear. 
The question is for you and for me, and I invite, really invite you to consider is, will you pray anyway? Will you ask God to move in your life? Will you ask God to move in the life of those that you love? Will you ask and will you pray even when it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Will you continue to pray even when it feels or when it seems like God's activity isn't always recognizable? Will you dare to believe that prayer changes outcomes? Here in verse 1, we're told that James, one of Jesus' original disciples, has been arrested. He's been killed by King Herod Agrippa. And now Peter, also one of Jesus' twelve, finds himself also locked up in King Herod Agrippa's prison, awaiting trial. And if you ask me, things are looking a little sketchy for this early church leader. Would you not agree? And so, friends, what do Christians do when they're facing challenges? What do smart Christians do when their back is up against the wall? They pray. And we ask God, our Heavenly Father, right, for help. And so in this case, we read that the early church, they're gathered in Mary's home, and they're praying for Peter. What do you think they were praying? Well, maybe that God will protect him. Maybe that God will certainly protect his life. I mean, if James just got killed, there's a strong chance that Peter's going to lose his life as well. God, please protect him. God, some, please somehow move him or release him from prison. So why pray? Because the early church believed that prayer changes what? Outcomes. Church, what are you praying for these days? I wonder if any of you are praying for a son or for a daughter. I wonder if any of you are praying for a coworker or for a neighbor. You know, I wonder if any of you are praying for some kind of outcome that you would like God to bless you with. But for the moment, maybe it doesn't seem like God's listening. Maybe it doesn't feel like God is hearing your prayer because as you look at the scene that you're praying for, it doesn't seem like there's any change. But brothers and sisters, just because you and I don't always see movement doesn't mean that God isn't at work. Will you believe that? Just because we don't always see God's activity, just because his activity isn't always recognizable, doesn't mean that he's sitting on the beach somewhere with a Mai Tai enjoying the surf. So write this down somewhere in your notes. Find some blank space here in your your margin and write this down. God invites me to participate in the miracle. God invites me to participate in the miracle. So Peter's in jail, right? He's in chains, the Bible says, and he has this vision. And in this vision, in Acts chapter 12... He has has this vision of this angel coming into his cell, the chains falling off his wrists, and then the angel says to him to do what? Put on your shoes, 
Put on your coat. Follow me. You know, I wonder if there's a chance, and Peter does, right? And whether Peter knew it or not, he was in the midst of a miracle. He was participating in a miracle. And I wonder if there's a chance that some of you are involved in a miracle right now, but you're doing your part. And while it may feel or may seem like God is dilly-dallying, God's actually moving behind the scenes. You know, Peter finds himself in jail. He's facing likely martyrdom. You know he's on death row. He finds himself in a maximum security situation. He's chained between two soldiers with a total of four squads of four soldiers, each guarding him, a total of 16. Brothers and sisters, can, brothers and sisters, can you grasp how grim of a situation is? this is? This is a bad situation. So it really shouldn't surprise any of us that when an angel appears in his cell, knocks off the chains, tells him to put on his coat and his shoes and to follow him through the prison halls, past the two guard gates, through an iron security gate before they fall out onto the city streets that it doesn't surprise, really shouldn't surprise any of us, that Peter thinks he's dreaming. Why? Because this is a big leagues miracle. But don't miss this. What did Peter do? He put on his shoes and, and, and coat, didn't he? He got up. He followed to his credit. He followed the, the angel's lead to his credit. Even though he thought he was dreaming, he plays along. He, and because he does, he finds himself suddenly on the opposite end of an answered prayer. Why? Because prayer changes, help me out, outcomes. And God often invites us to be a part of a miracle. So again, I'm asking you, what things are you currently praying about? You know, in Beto, like this song that we just sing, uh, Yes and Amen, I found myself thinking about a, a, a person that I know right now who's hurting. Brian and Vanessa and Ashley and I spent most of the day with him yesterday. And I just kept praying that God would just minister to his heart as he's grieving the loss of a loved one in his life. God would just pour out his spirit upon him. And so my, that's who I'm praying for today. His name's Terry. As I ask you, who are you praying for? And what situations are you currently bending God's ear on? You know, when, when you have an idea that pops into your head, and we talk about this a lot here at Palm Harvest, when, when God brings to mind someone's name, what do you do with that? Some of you are learning to respond, aren't you? You're pulling out your phone and you're sending a text message. You're just saying, hey, just want you to know I'm thinking about you today. But brothers and sisters, I want to suggest to you that when, you, when God puts an idea in your mind that maybe he wants you to do something or to start something or to maybe stop doing something, I want to suggest to you that that idea might be the result of somebody else's prayer. Because they're praying for a friend, and it happens to be a mutual friend. And as they're praying for that friend to show up in somebody's life, God stirs that, that person's name into your mind. And without even realizing it, God is making helping you to be a part of this other person's prayer. Are you responding to those things? Just because you and I don't see any apparent movement doesn't mean that God is not at work. So here's a question for you to think about. Why was James killed and Peter spared? 
That doesn't make sense, does it? Why would God choose to allow James, one of the early church leaders, to be martyred while Peter, also one of the early church leaders, not to be martyred? Was Peter that much more important than James? You ever have those questions like, why, God, will you allow certain things to happen? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us why he refused to rescue James. We don't know. But you know what it also doesn't tell us? It also doesn't tell us what the domino effect was of James's death. You ever had a loss of a death in your family? You ever had a close friend die? Would you agree with me that their death impacts you? You ever been called, involved in a car accident or something or you hit a bear? I'm still reeling from our experience in, in, in Washington and I'm still processing. Why? Because catastrophe things, when they happen in our life, there is a ripple effect. There's a domino effect. And so I asked the question, what was the domino effect of James's martyrdom upon the early church? Do you think it changed the way that they prayed for Peter? Do you think that maybe they prayed just a little bit more fervent? You think that they were maybe just a little bit more enthused about the reality of his, the possibility of him being killed as well? Do you think it solidified their faith? Now think about this. You know, some people will say that Jesus' death and resurrection is a fairy tale. But when I read about James's death, who was one of the early church Christians, if he knew that Jesus' death was a fairy tale, would he have given his life up for that? No way. If the early church knew if they were some part of some kind of scheme, would they have said, oh, we're, I have to risk my life to keep up this false narrative? There's no way they would have done it. And so the fact that James was willing to, to really go to the, to, to give up his life for the fact that Jesus died on the cross tells me, it reinforces for me the truth of the message of the gospel. These people were willing to die for their faith. So by the way, here's, here's, a, here's a thing I want you to think about. Why did God, again, allow James to die? I think it's to make a point. And the point is this, point number two in your notes. My lack of faith does not prevent God from working. My lack of faith does not prevent God from working. Go back to this story. What was the response of those gathered in Mary's home to Peter when he's knocking at the door where they were praying? Look at verse 13 if you have it there in your notes or your Bible. It says, Peter knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so rejoiced that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. So recognize, here's a group of people in Mary's home and they're praying for Peter's release. And Rhoda comes and says, guess what? God's answered our prayer, basically. Peter's at the door and how did they respond? You're out of your mind, they tell her. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. 
I love the fact that even these early Christians who were praying for a miracle, asking God to protect Peter's life, likely asking God to free him from his imprisonment, when that miracle came and Peter is knocking at the door, that they didn't believe it. Which suggests what? It suggests that my lack of faith does not prevent God from working. You ever pray a prayer and then you kind of have those doubts like, ah, I don't know. That's exactly what was happening here. But my doubts, even when I pray, don't, doesn't hold back God's hand. And so my, here's my encouragement, brothers and sisters. Here's my encouragement, church. Here's the translation, or the, really what, what, what they're, we're reading here is that pray with whatever faith you do have. The fact you're even willing to pray suggests just a little bit of faith. Pray, ask, and leave the results up to God. Why? Because prayer changes what? Outcomes. Even the prayers from those of us who have just a little faith, they still make a difference. You know, I've said this before, but the power of prayer, listen to me on this, the power of prayer is not in the prayer. The power of prayer is in the listener. The power of prayer is not in the prayer. The power of prayer is in the listener. So pray with whatever faith you have, whether it be little or big, whether it be small or gigantic. Brothers and sisters, pray. Because prayer changes outcomes. So here's your assignment. Here's your assignment for the week. Grab your program. If you, if you have a prayer request or something, you might want to rip it in half and, and, and you, know, you can drop it in the offering bag. But really what I want you to focus on is the bottom part here. Here's your assignment for this coming week. Pray for one. I want you to pray for one person at 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. Some of you are night owls. For one minute. Okay? So grab your phone. Everybody has a phone. I want you to grab your phone, and right now I want you to just set an alarm for 1 p.m. or 1 a.m. You choose. Okay? So whether you put it in your calendar or whether you just put it on your alarm, we could all say at once, hey, Siri, set an alarm for 1, 8, 1, 1 p.m., whatever. Okay? So set, set your alarm. In my case, I'm going to go 1 p.m. Although 1 a.m. sounds spiritual. Set your alarm for 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. And now I want you on your prayer card here, at the bottom of this thing, I want you to list the name of one person. One person. Maybe it's yourself. I want you to list one person. And maybe there's one thing that you would love for this one person, for God to do in this one person's life. Maybe there's a, a, an activity that you would love, you know, for if you're praying for your son or daughter. Maybe they're dating somebody that you don't like that person. You're saying, uh, break, break that person up. I don't know. Be specific. By tomorrow. No. You know, maybe, I don't know what it is, but I want you to pick one person. And for this week at 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. or whatever time you set, for one minute, I want you to pray with as great a specificity as you can that God will move in their life. Everybody have somebody in mind? So let's do that right now. Okay? Give you one minute. Let's pretend the alarm is going off. 
I want you to stop right now and I want you in faith say, God, I'm inviting you to stir in the mind or the heart of this person. Pray for them by name. And thank God in advance for the way he's going to answer this prayer. Hi, my name is Melissa Pena. Thanks for joining our online Palm Harvest community. We'd love to connect with you. If there's a specific way that we can pray for you, please send us your prayer requests at prayer at palmharvest.com. If you'd like to support our ministry, please text us at 84321. Thanks again. God bless.